All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is Friday, which means that uh, we do wear maroon, and I hope that you're able to celebrate Maroon Friday in whatever manner you choose. I hope it's payday for you. Hope you get a little funds, kind of recover from uh, the holiday. We're going to go see Star Wars tonight. I don't, I don't know. I know many of you have seen it. I have been to the movie so many times in the last few days, but uh, my kids were out of town over the weekend. I wanted to go see Star Wars open tonight, but I made a pact with my 14-year-old that I would wait until they returned. So in the last uh, week or so, I guess I have seen the Richard Jewell movie, which is really good. Uh, I've seen Queen and Slim, which is also really good. I saw Black Christmas, which is not really good, really kind of silly, and I went and saw the uh, new Adam Sandler movie, Uncut Gems, which is also really good. 
very surprising role for him. I'm so used to him being Happy Gilmore and all that sort of stuff. And so it's a good movie. I uh, enjoyed it a lot. But uh, going to see Star Wars. And so that's what we have done this holiday season during the school break is when, uh, you know, when mom's not around and dad's got the kids, we go to movies. So we do. I enjoy spending time with my kids. Hope you do too. So we're gonna. I'm gonna take mine out tonight. Hopefully you guys get a chance to spend some time with your family. Uh, you know, it's funny about that too. When you have Christmas Day, after everybody kind of unpacks their loot and there's been enough uh, social interaction, everybody kind of retreats to their rooms to kind of get on social media and talk about the things they've got and compare stuff and kind of enjoy their new gifts. And so it's nice to be able to do that. All that being said. We're going to work in a uh, trip to Bulldog Burger Company this weekend, too. Really enjoy the folks at Bulldog Burger Company. They always uh, treat me well. They treated me well long before they were a sponsor. Enjoy going there. Great atmosphere. Great food. Great price. Great people. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, of the Lauren Burger and uh, the mission. I, again, I think you get the Pico de Gallo on the side so you can kind of control the distribution. Uh, there are some people in my life, they just get the mission right out of the kitchen the way that it goes. And just kind of dig in with both elbows. But uh, uh, you need to go find your own favorites. If you're looking for a great restaurant quality hamburger, you'll never do better than the folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Again, if, if you're not ready to kind of jump into the deep water with the exotic hamburgers like me, which is where I live, the Bulldog is the way to go. Go order the Bulldog. Get the spring rolls as an appetizer. Maybe get the wings. Yeah, I got the wings recently for some friends of mine. They said, man, these wings are really good. I, I didn't expect that from Burger Joint. Really good. Really good options there on the appetizer menu at Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you on University and Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So I have spent some time last night and today watching some film and uh, of Louisville Cardinal football. And I got to say, there are a lot of people out there that are saying, oh, Mississippi State is going to run all over them. Mississippi State is going to run them out of the stadium. You know what? That might be true. But I'll tell you, there are some people on that Cardinal offense that uh, that give me a little anxiety. We have talked about it briefly. You kind of ran through some of the numbers here. But after watching some film, I'll be honest with you, I think this could be one of the more entertaining football games of the bowl season. I don't know that a lot of people are going to watch it in relation to some other games because it is that afternoon game, but uh, this is going to be interesting, to say the least. I like what they're doing on offense. I, I mean, what Scott Satterfield is doing, to me, is very reminiscent of some of the things that Urban Meyer did, you know, kind of in the advent of the spread. I really like the way they move people around. I mean, it's just one of those things, too. There's just so much that goes on with it. They're a little bit like Auburn. They don't have the same personnel as Auburn. They don't have the same offensive line. They don't have the really uh, a lot of those wide receivers that you know kind of spread you out, and make you nervous. But they run some of the same concepts, and uh, really like what they're doing on offense. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I would want to play them next year. I think if you're going to have to play them, I, I want to play them this year. You know, I don't. I just don't. I think as you begin to see, they've got some young playmakers that are really kind of emerging as stars in that offense. And when they get another year under their belt, they're going to be difficult. They're really going to be difficult. I think this is the year to get them. They are not where they want to be defensively by any stretch of the imagination. But offensively, they're a good ball team. Uh, so they started the year with Jawan Pass at quarterback. And for those of you that don't remember that that name, 
Uh, Jawan Pass is a guy that Dan Mullen recruited very, very hard to be the quarterback at Mississippi State. And uh, he elected to go on to join his uh, brother at Louisville and uh, started a couple of games, had a toe injury, tried to battle through it and come back, ended up having season-ending surgery. He has kind of been back practicing with the team again in ball practices, not expected to play. But uh, I guess anything's possible. But, uh, you know, Mikhail Cunningham or Mikhail Cunningham has been the guy. Now, Evan Conley's a guy at quarterback that they've used a little bit too, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the show. But Cunningham, number three, he is really, really explosive, really, really exciting. Not, not the best passer in the world, but an efficiency passer, which means that uh, just when they get you leaning run, he can make you pay in the pass game. So let's run down the schedule here real quick. Uh, they opened the season and uh, lost at home to Notre Dame in a 35-17 ball game. It was a very competitive game, you know, for a half. Notre Dame kind of put them away late. Uh, Louisville struggled a little bit with that with turnovers in that ball game. That's one of the things too. It's going to be paramount for this ball game for Mississippi State. We can't go out there and shoot ourselves in the foot. We got to get out of the gate strong. We can't make penalties. We can't turn the football over. Uh, Notre Dame led at the half, twenty-one to fourteen, and then uh, you know really shut Louisville down there in the second half. But uh, Louisville kind of uh, you know doing their own thing. You know, kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Uh, in that ball game, didn't have great passing numbers, 12 of 28 on the day. And listen, that Notre Dame defense, very athletic. But they still put some yards up, 383 yards on 75 plays. Found a way to get some, to, to have some physicality early in the ball game, But, uh, <clears throat> again, just didn't find a way to, to make things happen long term. Just couldn't couldn't finish. Absolutely couldn't finish. Uh, Juwan Pass was sacked four times on the day, and you know, that's with Makai Menton at left tackle. The Eastern Kentucky game, that's a 42-0 ball game. It's just one of, you know, it, it's, I'm glad they're playing the Kentucky schools, but uh, when you look at those, that's really a glorified practice. They take down Eastern Kentucky 42-0, beat Western Kentucky the next week 38-21. Conference builders, typical non-conference games, and at least they're spending their uh, non-conference money in state. I'm a big fan of that. What is significant about that Western Kentucky game is they played that game in uh, Nissan Stadium there in Nashville, Tennessee. So this will be their second trip to Nissan Stadium. So all the things that you go through logistically, trying to get everything set up and where does everybody go and where's the play clock and the sight lines and all the things you got to find and walk through, well, Louisville's already done that this year with this team. Way back on September 14th, they win the ball game 38-21. Really wasn't much of a contest. But again, I think you know that there might be a slight advantage, at least from a familiarity standpoint, to have a comfort level to know kind of where you know where to go, how things work. They won't be in awe of playing in that place. And listen, Mississippi State shouldn't be either, just because of the fact that State is. You know, played in some of the grandest cathedrals in all of college football. You went and played last year in Outback Bowl at the, you know, at the T- Tampa Bay. I guess it's Raymond James Stadium. But, uh, you know, my point being is that uh, it's a different venue. And uh, the fact that it's really not a neutral field because they've been there before. Uh, they went on the road to Florida State the next week. And this is not a great Florida State team. 35-24 winners in that ball game. One of the things that I have noticed watching some film of these guys 
is uh, they really struggle with the interior run. Really, really, really struggle. Cam Akers in that ball game, uh, 29 carries, 112 yards net, and three touchdowns. Florida State runs for 171 yards, did most of their attacking through the air. 26 of 34 for 382 yards. Watching film of this game, the Granite Florida State is recruiting at a different level. Louisville very slow in the secondary. Really struggled against both Florida State and Miami. People just running right through them. But, you know, again, Florida State, not a great team. They look like a really good team on this day. Probably the biggest win of the year, I think, for uh, for, for Louisville. I think uh, you could probably get some arguments about a couple ball games. But they went to Wake Forest. Let me back up a second here. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Before they played Wake Forest, they won against Boston College 41-39 in an absolute thriller. Uh, Boston College, just 6-6 six and six on the year. They are a bowl team. We'll be playing Cincinnati in the Birmingham Bowl uh, on January 2nd. But not a great team. But a team that scored a lot of points on this Louisville defense. Looking ahead to that Florida State, pardon me. I'm getting out of, out of character again here and getting off schedule. That Wake Forest win, let's get back to that because, again, I really want to talk about they put up 62 points in that game. Wake Forest is an 8 and 4 team. This is not, you know, this hitting a 5 and 7 team, this isn't, you know, a team that has uh has struggled for wins this year. But they're an 8 and 4 team. They were uh, a couple of wins down the stretch. The schedule kind of bit them in November, you know, that they win against NC State and then lose at Virginia Tech, a bowl team. They get drilled by Clemson. And then they they slip by Duke. And then they lose at Syracuse 39-30. So they, they've kind of limped down the stretch and lose three of four. So you, you kind of get a sense early on in the season that Wake Forest is back, if they've ever been here. But uh, you felt really good about the season, then all of a sudden it goes in a tank at the end. They'll, they'll take on Michigan State in the Penn Strike Bowl uh, today, as a matter of fact. But, again, that's a good win. That's a quality win on the road. You go out there and put up a ton of points, 62-59. That's the final in that ball game. It's it's incredible to think that many points in a college football game between conference opponents. Wake Forest entered the game at five and one. Louisville goes down there and spanks them. Tons and tons and tons of offense in this ball game. Looking at the UL numbers, uh, Evan Connolly, that's your number two, your number three quarterback on the season. He goes 12 of 18 in that ball game for 196 yards and a couple touchdowns. Evan Connolly, running back Evan Connolly, quarterback Evan Connolly. It's Friday. Uh, seven carries, 83 yards, loss of four in net, 79. Javion Hawkins, that's the guy you got to really watch. He's the guy that has really come on down the stretch. He had 60 yards in a ball game on 20 carries. But again, that's their biggest win. They get drilled by Clemson 45 to 10, uh, do Louisville, at home. And there's no shame in that. You know, Clemson's in, in the FBS playoff and the defending national champions. They then host Virginia, another bowl team, and they beat them 28 21. This is, again, they're beginning to kind of figure some things out. You remember, they started a different quarterback, Juwan Pass, at the beginning of the year. 
they begin to kind of find a little bit of rhythm later in the year. Cunningham is 6 of 10 for 126 yards and a touchdown, sacked three times. Hawkins, that's the big winner of that game. 28 carries, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. Cunningham goes for almost 100, 97 yards on 11 carries. A lot of that quarterback design run stuff. Tons and tons and tons of that. Then they go to Miami and get absolutely shelled by Manny Diaz and uh, the, the U, who got beat by Louisiana Tech last night. But Miami wins that ball game 52 to 27. Now, this is a game, too, watching film where Louisville really, really, really struggled on special teams. They, uh, they gave up a long punt return. They had a punt blocked. Um, they had a, a fumble on a punt return. There were just a lot of things that went wrong that kind of allowed Miami to get some separation. But watching film of Miami and Louisville, you can see the Miami wide receivers were running wide open. They were running free in the secondary. You saw that Florida State, some with Notre Dame, but really Miami and Florida State, you could see a difference in the talent levels. That's one of the things that really kind of stood out. It's the fact that they were able to run with almost impunity. And that ball game, Malik Cunningham, 12 of 18, two touchdowns, 219 yards. Evan Connolly also played. He's actually appeared in seven games this year. Javion Hawkins goes for 91 yards and 15 carries. But when you look at what's happened on the other side of this thing, uh, rushing yards, Miami puts up 219 and then threw for 252. Got the short field a lot of times on that day and made uh, Louisville pay for it. So, again, they're kind of victims in their own demise there. I got a lot of tabs open, so I'm having to scroll back and forth. Uh, they, then the next week they go on the road and take down NC State. NC State kind of riddled with injuries this year. A lot of people thought, you know what, they might be a little better team. You know, we'll go see them next year. Looking forward to that trip to Raleigh. They weren't a great team this year. And, again, they'll be, they'll be getting some of those guys back for next year. Louisville finds a way. You know, and that's another thing, too. I think it says a lot about Satterfield and the coaching job there. When you get embarrassed the way they did and to bounce back the next week and be able to go win on the road, win a conference game on the road, is is big, even though NC State's 4-8 on the year. They're not a great team, but you go down there and you win by a couple touchdowns at their place. NC State ended the year on, what, a six-game losing streak? Yeah, I think that's right, six-game losing streak. But uh, it's good to go get that win. But when you look at the teams that, that they beat, you wake forced against the best win, but any road win in this conference is big, ACC or SEC. The next week they take down Syracuse, 56-34, and you're hearing some gaudy scores because they're a team that can put up a lot of points. They're also a team that can give up a lot of points, just as they did the next week against Kentucky, 45-13. to So running down the numbers here, you have the home loss to, to Notre Dame, the home win for Eastern Kentucky, the, then the, the neutral site win over Western Kentucky. You lose at Florida State. You win at home against Boston College. You win on the road at Wake Forest. That's, you know, two big road wins, I guess. Lose at home to Clemson. Uh, beat Virginia at home. Lose at Miami. Win at NC State. And then win at home against Syracuse. And then lose at Lexington. So two road conference wins. 
against comparable competition. And you know, one of the things about Louisville too is they are they're a lot like Mississippi State in the respect that they've been very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Have had some injuries at quarterback. Have had some uh, some interior defensive line play. They're almost, these teams are almost mirror of images of each other. You know, that's the thing when you look at this thing over the course of the season. I think Mississippi State defensively has got a lot better. They're going to have to be better. You're, we're going to see a lot of the – so you remember against Ole Miss, and, and I give Rich Rodriguez a lot of credit, that there are a lot of people in the country that try to run the spread offense. Rich Rod is one of the best in the country at scheming people up for the design quarterback run, as you saw with Plumley. I mean, John Rice Plumley was one of the hottest names in the Southeastern Conference down the stretch because it was so surprising. I mean, because he was having these big runs against LSU and Alabama and others. And so Bob Shoup devised a scheme, spied him some with Willie Gay, spied him some with Aquarius Landrews, kind of alternated who the spy was to kind of keep him confused. He wasn't exactly sure and to kind of keep their uh, play caller guessing up there. But because of the fact that Mississippi State played against Ole Miss in the last ballgame, I think a lot of the a lot of the defensive game plan carries over. Now, what scares me about this Louisville offense is not the fact that they can spread you out and run the football because they can. What scares me the most is what are we going to do with number one, Chitarius Atwell from Miami Northwestern, 12 games played, 60 catches, 1,125 yards, and 12 touchdowns, a long of 90. If you remember, he is a poor man's Percy Harvin. That's what he is. And not just because he wears number one, but because of how they use him. They move this guy around the formation. They they, they give him the, the little jet sweep, but they also give that little puff pass, you know, where it's actually a pass. It looks like a run. You bring him on the backside of the the formation and just kind of uh, lateral it to him as he comes through. Officially, he has just eight carries for uh, 24 yards because many of those jet sweep, puff pass type things are, are considered passes. But this is a guy that does absolutely everything for them. I don't know if we have anybody that can run with him. That's what worries me, especially considering how deep, how thin we are, pardon me, in the secondary. You know, three of the opening day starters will not participate in the ballgame. We discussed this a little bit yesterday. C.J. Morgan, out for the year with a knee injury. Maurice Smithman, out for the year. Cam Dantzler has withdrawn to play in the ballgame. Brian Cole going to play in the ballgame. So really four of our five starters in the secondary from opening day not going to play in the ballgame. And if I'm Scott Satterfield, I'm thinking, okay, we got a chance to get our guys in space, make some plays here. That scares me. Because at some point, he is going to get loose. He is one of those guys that simply has a way to make plays. Those are the things that scare me. Because I don't know that we have anybody that can consistently run with him. And so as a result, I think they'll they'll scheme up some things to get him the ball in space. Martin Emerson has come a long way this year. Jarian Jones has come a long way this year. And Jarian, I mentioned yesterday, Jarian had... Uh, had a hand surgery recently, but, you know, he's in, in a cast and going to try to go. Jaquarius Landrews, uh, a little bit banged up, but he's going to go. Might be the last time he ever wears a, a college football uniform, you know. I mean, so those guys are going to go give it a go. Marcus Murphy, a guy that can really fly. I don't know that he has the quickness to kind of keep up 
uh, with Adwell. But he's number one. The, the other side of that, though, is I don't think that they have enough other playmakers in the pass game to really make you nervous. I think you've got to make somebody else beat you. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick is a guy that has made some plays for them. One of the guys that I really like out in the pass pattern is tied in Marshawn Ford. Now, he he is one of these efficiency guys. He doesn't have a ton of catches, but uh, they use him a lot in the red zone. They use a lot of that, you know, play action stuff and roll it out to him, kind of a one-receiver route thing. And it's interesting because he is the pass-catching tight end. There's another tight end they use from time to time. He is essentially the blocking tight end. They rarely throw it uh, when he's in the game. But Marshawn Ford, 17 grabs, 239 yards, with five touchdowns. And he is a guy that can beat you after the catch, 48 yards. You go watch some of that film, you'll see what I'm talking about. He's kind of a jumbo X. What I mean by that is he's probably a little, doesn't maybe have the foot speed to play wide receiver, but he has the size and a skill set to do it. So you put him at tight end, that's where the spread offense has kind of made a home for people like that. But Ford's had a good year for them. But outside of Atwell, they don't have a guy that's just a game breaker you look at and say, man, we got a scheme against that guy. Des Fitzpatrick is a good complimentary receiver. You know, 33 grabs, almost 600 yards. Uh, you know, he would be among Mississippi State's best offensive playmakers. But uh, the ACC is kind of a score at league. And Fitzpatrick has had a good year, but uh, I don't think that he is a guy that's going to, you know, run away from you. Good player. Not being not being uh, critical of his ability at all, but Atwell is the show. That is the guy you got to pay attention to all the time, and I like the way they use him. They really move him around. They, they make him a part of their run game from time to time. So he, is, uh, he is a very, very intriguing player. Now, when you look at the actual run game, Javion Hawkins has some gaudy numbers. 12 games played, 241 attempts, 1,420 yards, eight touchdowns. They like to get him outside, okay? They, they, they like to use him on the edges, kind of option the ball out to him, but he is a guy that runs with some physicality. They don't run a lot on the interior, but when they do, he can do it a little bit there. And then Hassan Hall is another guy. Uh, that they use is it he's kind of like their Nick Gibson, even though he doesn't have the same numbers, you know, as Nick. But they they use him some, especially on the interior run. They've got some pieces that are very intriguing, and uh, you know, Hassan Hall is a uh, just a sophomore. I mentioned earlier that I don't want to play this team next year. You know, looking at Hassan Hall, I mean, he's had some big games against some big time people. 69 yards against Notre Dame, 57 against Florida State, 79 against Miami, 71 against Syracuse. So this is a guy that uh, can make some things happen. Now running down the numbers here for Hawkins, and again, this is he's a redshirt freshman, and, and Adwell is a sophomore. This is a team that has a bright future. So Hawkins, first game, <laughs> Notre Dame runs for 122. Eastern Kentucky runs for 123. Western Kentucky, 93. Had a tough game against Florida State, 17 carries, 52 yards. Breaks out against Boston College for 172 again. 60 against Wake Forest. They, they didn't have to run it a whole lot. They threw it like crazy. 129 against Clemson. That's a pretty good defense. I think we can all agree there. They don't have the front four they had last year, but they're still a really good defense. Virginia, 136 yards. Miami, 91. NC State, 67. And then 233 against the Cuse, and then 142 against Kentucky. 
one of the things that happens with this ball, this ball club from Louisville is they are not a team that plays well from behind. You get an advantage in the second half and kind of get them. If, if you're able to go up two scores, you kind of get them out of what they want to do. They have been a team, too, that has kind of struggled at times with pass protection. We talked about that earlier in the show. It's one of the things when I look at these teams, you know, like it's one of those things because in our league, you know, we're going to play some of the best defenses in the country week in and week out. If you can protect against those guys, you should be able to protect against many other teams. Uh, the ACC, very similar to the SEC because we have a similar recruiting footprint. Louisville has allowed 36 sacks on the year while just sacking opponents just 23 times. So they're not a team that gets a lot of gets a quarterback on the ground a lot, and they're a team that their quarterback ends up on the ground a lot. And some of that too, I think, is because of the fact that they're really they're really a run-based offense. They really want to get out there and run the football. They've ran for 2,995 yards from scrimmage, lost 422. But they're one of these teams, too, that they that they would love to be able to control the time of possession. They want to get out there and run the football, but they they don't want to take chances in the passing game. You can tell. You can tell this is a team, again, their best days are ahead of them. I, I really like this team. I really do. Uh, so let's look on the defensive side of the football here at a few other things. A couple things that I think are that kind of jump out here. <clears throat> we touched on this earlier in the month. Mississippi native C.J. Avery leads them in tackles with 84. He was a guy, if you recall, was a safety. He's grown into a linebacker there. Foot speed was always a bit of a question mark uh, for him. There is not a lot of depth at these linebackers. And there's not the that's, – these are not SEC linebackers. And I think that's one of the reasons they have struggled so much uh, to stop the run. But Avery is a guy that's kind of grown into linebacker position. It's done a good job for him. I mean, I mean, it really has done a good job for him. But he, again, is kind of a hybrid linebacker. He is that guy that's safety has grown into the position. They don't really have a guy you look at and say, okay, this guy, you got, you got a game plan against him. I guess Rajay Burns is another one you look at and say, it's a guy that's getting it done. He's been very, very productive. But, again, not a big guy. Six foot, 197 pounds. Con Pass is a guy Mississippi State recruited. That's uh, Juwan Pass's brother. You know, he's a guy that's 6'1", 204-pound, strong safety. Their third leading tackler with 74 tackles. But there's, there's just not a lot of this defense that just jumps out and you look at and say, you know what, man, this is a guy that we absolutely have to, to game plan for on, on every single snap. I think the one thing you could look at probably – the one guy maybe you pick up that they use in their package for uh, pressures is Monty Montgomery, number seven, an inside linebacker, 5'11", 214 pounds. So, again, not a lot of size at linebacker. I think that's one of the reasons that they have really struggled in these wars of attrition. If you go back and watch film, you'll notice that Notre Dame, Florida State, and others found a lot of success running the football on the interior. Now, we don't do an awful lot of that. But I think you have to when you consider the fact that uh, this Mississippi State offensive line should be able uh, to pave the way. We should be able to get out there and make some things happen. This is going to be a game where people are going to score. And this might be one of those games that boils down to who makes the big mistake first. You recall when we went and played NC State in the Belk Bowl, the very first pass of the game, 
Jacoby Brissett threw an interception to Gary Green, and next thing you know, we're off and running. This is a game I think could be similar to that because I don't think that they're going to have – I don't think they're going to be able to stop us without our help. And I think their team is going to be able to score some points. So I think this is going to be – I would – I'm not a betting guy, but, again, I'll tell you, take the over. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this ball game. And there's a good chance, if you look at the weather, there's a good chance it's going to be a wet ball game. It's a good chance it's going to be a wet track out there. You know, the current forecast has improved. It's supposed to rain Sunday, but it's supposed to be cooler on Monday and partly sunny, currently with a high of 51 and a low of 36. But let's go play the ball game. I just want it to be dry. But uh, there's a good chance it'll be a wet track. And what what traditionally happens is the team that has the power running game wins those wet ball games. But uh, with an NFL surface out there, you better believe it'll be ready and good to go. But I'm eager to see what these guys, uh, how they want to defense Mississippi State, because I believe it's going to boil down to what Kyle and Hill does. I think Kyle and Hill and Nick Gibson, this game will go as they do. If the Mississippi State offensive line is able to fire off, stay healthy, the Kyle and Hill, Nick Gibson, Tommy Stevens will be able to run successfully. And this is a team, too. If you go back and look at uh, Louisville and the teams they played, even against Virginia, they really struggled to stop the design quarterback run. Tommy Stevens proved against Arkansas that he could run the ball pretty effectively. I, th- I thought he ran the ball more decisively when he came back than he did earlier in the year. I think maybe early in the year he was you know, trying to distribute the ball a little bit more and not really take what the defense has given him, and that led to some sacks. And I think it sometimes led to some turnovers. But if he goes out and runs the football the way they did against Arkansas, I think it could be a great day for Mississippi State. But again, this is not if, if this ends up being one of these 14 out ball games, I'll be absolutely shocked. I think both teams are going to score. I think it's going to be a lot similar similar to what we saw a couple years ago. I think it's going to be a back and forth ball game. It's just kind of the nature of things. But uh, again, this is a team that is capable of beating Mississippi State. I've read a lot of these reports out here, and people are saying, "Oh yeah, Mississippi State should win handily." Uh, I think State's going to win because I think we're the better team, and I think we're certainly the better defense. But I don't think that we can just look at this and say, okay, this is going to be an absolute blowout because Mississippi State is going to be able to out-talent the Cardinals. It just doesn't make any sense to me to think that way. They're a team that has struggled in the secondary, as has Mississippi State. I think uh, Dorian Etheridge is probably their best defensive back. One interception, five pass breakups, three quarterback hurries. Chandler Jones is another guy, defensive back, sophomore out of Miami, Florida. It's had a big year for them. Had a pick, nine breakups, forced fumble. Their team, it's very, they're athletic. They're just, I don't think they're a team that just had, they don't necessarily have SEC speed in the secondary. And again, if you go see for yourself, you will see there are so many of these guys, like against Florida State and Miami, where, where receivers are just running free. Running free. And out, being able to outrun – I don't know if Mississippi State – that's the thing. When you look at these weaknesses on film, you begin to ask yourself, okay, what's the real matchup here? Does Mississippi State have a receiver that can exploit these deficiencies in the Louisville secondary? I don't know. I think Dedrick Thomas is a guy that could have a big game because I don't know that they have anybody that can run with him. But I don't know what happens the rest of the time. What happens with Osiris Mitchell? And it's one of the things, too, when people talked about Osiris Mitchell, you know, that, that he's had this incredible disappearing act. You know, I, I think Osiris has been a bigger part of the game plan when Tommy Stevens has been in the game. 
I think there is I think there is some chemistry there, just like there is with Garrett Schrader and Dedrick Thomas. It appears to me that Dedrick Thomas and Garrett Schrader uh, have a really good rapport, and so I think Garrett has trust in him, and so looks for him in times of trial. I think it's the same way between Tommy and Osiris. I think Tommy has a lot of faith in Osiris Mitchell, especially on the jump ball, because of the fact that you, you've got the measurables that you should win the matchup. And so at that point, it's about execution. Throw it up and away and let Osiris go get it. Tommy is just better at that point, at this point in his development, being able to throw that ball. Garrett will get there. But I think Tommy is a guy that, uh, that just simply looks for Osiris maybe a little more. So we could see uh, a resurgence of Osiris. We could see him do some big things in the ballgame. I'm, again, I'm eager to get to Nashville and see what we're going to do. I don't know, you know, looking at this secondary, if they have a group or they have the length to really get out there and compete with a guy like Osiris Mitchell. Osiris got a little banged up down the stretch. He's healthy, good to go. So I, I'm, I'm expecting him to be dialed up early. I think that he is a guy that we will probably feed the ball to early on. Guys like Isaiah Zuber, they're running out of opportunities. He's a senior. I haven't seen his name listed on any of the uh, uh, postseason senior bowl game type invites. This is a chance for him. could be perhaps the final time to put some things on film to show NFL scouts what he wants to do. The same is said for Dedrick Thomas. There, there's a real sense of urgency, I think, with that group. As I said throughout the year, I think we're a little more balanced when Tommy Stevens is the quarterback because of the fact that we have the ability to throw the football a little bit more. It's a different style of passing. You know, with Garrett's in the ballgame, we don't attack down the field quite as much as we do with Tommy. I think, again, some of that's because Garrett's a true freshman. We will do that, and he is capable of doing that. We're just not doing it yet. I think some of that, too, is to kind of simplify the decision-making process for him. i got big hopes for Garrett Schrader. I think he is the face of this program moving forward. But this weekend is about winning this ball game and ending the season with a winning record. Speaking of winning, you can get your bowl game shirts and your Egg Bowl championship shirts at Campus Bookmark. You can go by there and see the lovely, talented Susie, who gets more lovelier by the day. Go by and see Miss Kathy Brown. You can go by and see Stan the Man. The whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. And I know many of you are like me. You had a great Christmas, but there's one or two things that maybe you had on your list you didn't get. Well, you go ahead and take care of that yourself. Remember, it's probably payday today anyway. Visit them at campusbookmark.net. They'll hook you up. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmark.net. You know, one of the things that kind of worries me a little bit about this ball game is, uh, you know, their ability to score and what happens if we get in a shootout. Because I, I just don't know if we're going to win a game in a shootout. I, you know, I just don't know that we have the offensive firepower to score quickly you know, I think we probably have got to come out and just kind of line up and run the ball down their throats and shorten the game on them. I think it's one of those things, too, where if we're able to get some separation in the game, the way that Colin Hill runs with such conviction and Nick Gibson runs with such vision, I think that you once you get a lead, I think that you can control the game and shorten the game and probably put these guys away. But they're a very explosive offense. 
you get into a shootout with them, it could be a long day for us. They're a lot more accustomed to playing that brand of offense. They're used to putting a lot of points up on the board. And you run down the numbers here again, you know, you know, in, in their victories, they've scored 42, 38, 41, 62, 28, 34, and 56. They can put points up. In their losses, 17 points, 24 points, 10 points, 27 points, and 13 points. So it hadn't exactly been feast or famine. There have been some losses that have been very competitive as well. But they're a team that's going to go out there. They're a very offensive-minded team. And we knew this about Scott Satterfield. He did a great job at Appalachian State. I just don't know if we get into that shoot out deal, if that's a good thing for us. You look at the Mississippi State scoring pattern this year. Started out good. When Tommy Stevens was healthy, we put up 38 against UL, 38 against Southern Miss, 24 against Kansas State in a game that we should have won. Uh, put up 28 over Kentucky, a game that we did win. Put up 23 against Auburn, and most of that was in mop-up time. Put up just 10 against Tennessee. That's That was, I think we can all agree, Tommy Stevens' worst start of the year. Rushed him back, wasn't ready to go, despite the fact he had a bye week. We scored 13 against LSU, 30 against A&M, but a lot of that is when the game had been decided. 54 against Arkansas, 7 against Alabama, 45 against Abilene, and 21 against Ole Miss. And I'll be honest with you, it felt like we called the dogs off just a little bit in that ballgame against Ole Miss. You know, we're up in that ballgame and a chance to kind of put them away when we have a big fumble late. We'd like to have that one back. That gave them life. But uh, but if we had made those plays, it wouldn't have been nearly as much fun to talk trash on Twitter, would it? And so my point being is that we are just not a prolific offense. And you didn't need to log into the show to hear that. We all know that. But we're not going to just all of a sudden be better in just a few a few weeks' practice time. That's not going to change. We're gonna, we are who we are at this point in the season. We know our identity. We've got to go out there and start fast. When you look at all the games that we have played, and you look at the ones that uh, we have won, we've been able to get out of the gate. You know, again, if I'm not mistaken, we are undefeated in scoring first. I had that stat down some time ago, but um, looking back here, we scored first against A&M, scored first against Abilene, and scored first against Ole Miss. We won those ball games. Alabama scored first against us. They won the ball game. So the first quarter is going to be paramount. We have got to be able to score and dictate terms to Louisville because, again, they're, very, they're an explosive offense. One of the things that I think is probably a little bit undervalued is what happens without Makai Benton. This is a guy that has a first or second round uh, type grade on him. Going to have to trim up a little bit, but he is an absolute star. One of the largest offensive linemen I have seen in many years. Guys his size don't move as well as he does. But Adonis Boone is a guy that is expected to play in his absence. Boone has played a couple of games due to some injuries. Um, you know, when Becton was out with that ankle injury, and he's been a reserve as an offensive guard. But uh, this is a new deal for him. Okay, this is one of those things where, you know, he's going to be starting against an SEC opponent that's had plenty of time to kind of scheme him up and kind of point out his deficiencies and figure this thing out. And so that could be a matchup, you know, with Chauncey Rivers out there on that side, another guy that's looking to uh, to kind of pursue a, a professional football future. You know, he is another one of those guys, I think, that has an opportunity 
uh, to do some pretty good things. And so this could be a, a really good chance for him to showcase himself and uh, put some things on film. This is it for him. This, this is it. This is what you have to do. You've got to go out here because nobody, everybody's going to be watching these games. And they're going to see how you finish up uh, the season and your career. And really, for Mississippi State, it has been a very, very frustrating season. Last year was frustrating in different respects, you know, because a lot of people were blaming Nick Fitzgerald and that sort of stuff, and it wasn't fair. And I think now there are some people that feel like they owe Nick an apology. But Nick Fitzgerald's a great young man, and uh, he gave everything he had to help Mississippi State win football games. But last year was very frustrating because we couldn't get things together offensively, and we lost some games that we should have won. This season is similar to that. We lost a game against Kansas State that we should have won. We were the better team at home. We made some mistakes that kept them in the ballgame. We go on the road and lose at Tennessee, which ended up being the turning point for their season. But I still submit to you, we were the better team. But on that day, they made the plays to win. So they got the W. We go up there and score 10 points after a bye week against a team that has really, really struggled with starting a freshman quarterback. Uh, you know, we, we made some plays early on to stay in the game, but we couldn't get things together offensively. But it just seemed like from the very beginning, and we can go all the way back to the spring, really. After all the Nick Weatherspoon stuff kind of began to flare up, and we heard that there were some football players involved. We did not know the full extent of it. We tried mightily to get information for you guys. And, and to Mississippi State's credit, unlike some other people, they didn't elect to try their NCAA issues in the, in the, in the media. But that, there was a dark cloud over the season from the very beginning. We went through the summer, all of us in the media. We were all trying to get information. We were all trying to get records. We couldn't get them. But we all knew that there was something coming. It proved to be far worse than we expected. And many of us, including myself, felt like, you know what, maybe we have enough depth at linebacker to overcome it. We knew DT, defensive tackle, was going to be an issue with or without Lee Autry. Lee hadn't played a whole lot in his college career red shirts and then plays a handful of games last year, but he comes in this year as an incumbent starter, so you lose him. And it showed. We're a much different team with Lee Autry, Willie Gay, and Marcus Murphy on the field. Much different team. We're a much different defense. And then all of a sudden you're able to give the offense the ball back in some advantage field position because you can get stops. We're a different team with those three guys. And I think many of us, again, including myself, Felt like, you know what, it'll be okay. We'll figure it out. We'll be better offensively. And the truth of the matter is, we still probably should have been at 8-14, despite the fact that we had two to game. I still think we should have beat Kansas State, and I still think we should have beat Tennessee. But we didn't. We're 6-6 six and six team, and now this is this game will determine whether we, not, we have a winning season or not. A couple of years ago, we kind of owned Louisville. Beat them in women's hoops in the Final Four. Beat them in men's basketball, knock them out of the NIT. Won the ball game, and then they got us back last year in Omaha. You know, so maybe it's uh, trending. I, you know, I don't know that I really want to play these guys next year, and I've said that two or three times on, on the show. But I think when you size this team up and you look at what Mississippi State is when we are at full strength on defense, we're a much different team. That's one of those things when you look at it, I, people say, well, you know, we're like this, and we're so bad on this and so bad on that. Look at when the guys played. You had four games that you had, uh, you know, the bulk of your defense together. 
and that's Kentucky. You win that game. That's Tennessee. That's a game you lose, but the defense played well enough to win. You had them against Arkansas. You win that game handily, 54-24, and you play them against Ole Miss, and you win that ball game. So you're 3-1 and one when you've got your defense at full strength. It's a team game. When you're playing good defense, all of a sudden the offense gets better field position. All of a sudden there's not quite as much pressure on the offense because you know that your defense can stand up. I expect Mississippi State to play really good defense in this ballgame. We're going to have to stop the run. We've got to find a way to slow down that well. We've got to find a way, find a way to get physical with a guy like him. Guys like him that are quick, and, and as Coach Tom Bowser used to say, that kid can scoot. He can. He absolutely can. But that's the guy that worries me the most, is that well, because of the fact that he can take a, uh, you know, a third and short and turn it into a touchdown. He's one of those guys, if you miss a touch, if you miss the tackle, he is going to take it to the house. And we're not going to win that foot race. So we've got to be a, bring a physical brand of defense. We've got to get in their face. We've got to get some turnovers, and we've got to protect the football. But I expect Mississippi State to win this ball game, and I expect it's going to be a close one. I think it's probably a 31-27 type game. I think we'll find a way to win, but I don't think that we're going to get win a game in the 40s. I just don't know that's going to happen. And I think, again, Joe Moorhead will ride the horses that have pulled the wagon all year, and that's the quarterback run, and that's Colin Hill and Nick Gibson. Yeah, I think you throw it just enough to kind of keep those guys honest. But when the safeties begin to creep up, you'll have some opportunities again because I think this Louisville secondary is pretty slow. I mean, I, I mean, when I say slow, not slow by college football standards, but slow by SEC standards. Louisville doesn't have the wide receivers that LSU and Alabama does. But Atwell is a guy that I think could play for either of those teams. I think he has that level of talent. But there's not enough pieces around him, I think, to really give, give Mississippi State a lot of pause you got to slow down Hawkins. you got to make Cunningham throw the football. And you got to make him throw it to somebody besides Adwell. And that's what Bob Shoup's paid to do. They'll have a good game plan. They'll have some good pressures. And, you know, this is when, when, you, when you have some adversity, and we've had some all year. And I think Jim Moorhead said it best yesterday. We're kind of experts when it comes to, you know, the change in quarterback situation. And the circumstances around this one are not good. But the bottom line is that's behind us now. It's time to go play a football game. It's time to get behind who is going to play and get ready to go see if we can't get a W and end this season on a winning note. And listen, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you can end the season winning four of your last five and having some real identity headed into next year because Garrett Schrader is the future of this program. But you win four of the last five, you keep the egg, you win the bowl game, you have a winning season, and you put all this nonsense behind you and you start fresh in the spring. You start fresh in the spring. We have been in this position before, back in 2011, 2013, 2016. We've had to go out and win the Egg Bowl just to get ball eligible, and every year we've gone on to win the bowl game, and I don't expect anything to change this time. And I know that's the big fear. The big fear is losing the game means a losing season, and then losing the bowl game cast a negative shadow over the offseason. And then all of a sudden, all of this talk, all of a sudden this anxiety about football is stirred up again. And again, it has been one of these years we have not really enjoyed. We have simply endured. And my hope is the next year will be different. And I think the first step towards a successful next year will be taken on Monday. we got to go out on Monday and win the ball game. 
That's one of the things that people always say, well, Steve, what do you think about this? I say, I think we need to go win the ballgame. Well, do you think that people will be a little more positive? Well, I just think we need to go win the ballgame. Steve, what do you want for dessert? I want to go win the ballgame. I want to go win the ballgame. Because I have learned that when you win the ballgame, everything else seems a little less important. When you're losing, everything is magnified. Henry Ballard and I talked about that years ago. I had a chance to interview Coach, God rest his soul. And he said, winning makes everything better. Winning makes the air cleaner, the water fresher, and your girlfriend prettier. And that's true. When you're winning, people can put up with a lot. When you're losing and when you're struggling, everything from there, not, there's not enough ice and drinks. You know, nobody, people don't, the, the band doesn't have the right t-shirts on. You know, it, it's too hot. So many turn the air on. You know, there's, there's always something. And when you're winning and you're emotionally invested and you think, you know what, I, you know, I'm kind of okay with all this because uh, I just want to see the team win. But when we're struggling like that, like we are, all of a sudden, you know, the fear of losing exceeds the joy of winning. And so my hope is, is that we can have a joyous Monday and kind of exhale a little bit and say, you know what? Okay. All right. Now that's behind us. Let's go. uh, Let's go get to the NCAA tournament, men's and women's basketball and see how that goes. And then before you know it, and goodness, I guess it's really about six weeks now, just over six weeks, we'll be out at Duty Noble Field getting ready to play baseball. Got high expectations for that team, too. But right now, the focus is uh, football. And for those of you not making the trip to Nashville, maybe you're going to just watch bowl games on TV. Let me encourage you, too. We've got a couple of other teams that are going to be playing basketball here in Humphrey Coliseum over the weekend. So I hope that you will go out and support them. Got ball games both Saturday and Sunday. So final non-conference games for both teams. Mississippi State men will play actually on Monday, pardon me, Monday against Kent State, and the ladies will play on Sunday against Arkansas Little Rock. So, again, if you're not going to make the bowl game, you've still got a rooting interest right here in Starkville. It's going to be a lot of good things that's going to happen in the spring semester, but we need to kind of – let's spend this last few days of December and the last few days of December of 2019 uh, putting some W's in the win column and uh, getting ready to get out of here and do something big. So I will be back with you guys. There will be no Monday show. We will do a show on Tuesday, probably do a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday deal, but we will not do a Monday show because I will be traveling back uh, from Nashville uh, following the ball game. Probably get back pretty late, you know, and, you know, if I'm keyed up and fired up or whatever. If we win the ball game in impressive fashion, I might even go ahead and record that night. But uh, Look for your next Boneyard to be Tuesday. We'll do Facebook Live that night, too, over on the uh, Mississippi State 247 page. You can find that on Facebook, Bulldogs 247 on Facebook. Well, that's going to do it for today. Again, hope that you guys have had a joyous Christmas season. The new year will be here before you know it. We'll speak to you on New Year's Eve, if not before. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.